Great to have you here. Fantastic. Hey, you know, this morning, of course, we haven't got children's church happening in the, uh, this morning. Um, that's happening next week. Uh, and so we have a little, uh, we, for our children this morning that are here, if you were to go to uh, my incredible and wonderful, beautiful wife over there at the back there, she will give you a little, little container full of stuff you can do. For those who would like that for our children, you can go and grab that right now. You can go back and you can just, how's that? Fantastic. So we just, all these wonderful children, look at them all. Remember, you've got to bring that, you can't take it all home. You can take all the, all the stuff that you do inside that plastic container home, but you can't take the container home. Is that cool? Mmm, righto. <laughs> I wasn't looking, it was a rhetorical question. I know they weren't going to answer, but you know. While, we're, uh, while they're doing that, I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 6. Um, you'll recognize it as one of the great messages. Actually, it's the first great message Jesus kind of shared with thousands of people one day. Uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I'm not, I haven't got the verses up there, but I just thought it's good that you uh, could read your own. Uh, and Jesus shared this incredible message on the, the Sea of Galilee, on the shores of Sea of Galilee. It was about somewhere north of Capernaum, which is up the top of the Sea of Galilee, on the left-hand side as you look at the map of the Sea of Galilee. That might give you a little bit of a geographical location. And... Um, no one really knows exactly where it was where Jesus preached his first message. But um, they have a couple ideas, but uh, it's somewhere up there on the shores. It must have been a fairly good, it was an area they say that was fairly good, like an amphitheater. Ever seen a natural amphitheater where you can speak, you know, and it just, your, your voice projects really easy? And that's where Jesus was probably took the opportunity to speak this day because it was thousands of people. He didn't have a sound system. And so he says these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 34. It says, No one can serve two what? Masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some of your Bibles will say memon. It's just another word for money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? If you just stop there... <laughs> that wouldn't be good, would it? Because we all need to wear clothes. But it says, See, the flowers of the field grow, and they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, talking about King Solomon, the son of David, was dressed like one of these. And it is, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? What an incredible promise. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. In other words, people who don't believe in God run after all these things. 
and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Isn't that great to know that we have a heavenly Father knows what we need? I've often asked him for what I want, and I wonder why he doesn't give it to me, but I've now realized from that verse is actually he wants to provide what I need. Um, verse 33, here, here comes a great verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And verse 34, we'll finish with, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Wonderful. Jesus is sharing. These are the words he actually says. They recorded them and we see it recorded in uh, in this Matthew chapter 6 here. It's interesting because verse 33 is a bit of a clincher verse. All the verses are uh, very important to the whole uh, uh, tenor of Scripture there. But verse 33, if I can just point it out, it says, seek, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Seek first. The interesting word about first is that it's mentioned 161 times in the New Testament in different formats. Um, and the reality is, is that when we think of first, it's not, we think of first like uh, it's just in conversation we can say the word first, like I came first in the race, I was first in line. It's, it's to do with order, isn't it? First is always at the first place. It's always up the front. Isn't that true? Uh, here's a first row. There's a second row, a third row. It doesn't make it any less significant. It's just the, the reality is we use the word often first in context um, to order. To order. We see Jesus talks a lot about first. He says, uh, he says if you come into uh, church and you go to the altar and you want to give an offering, but you realize that you've got a problem with a brother or sister, he says you need to first go and sort it out before you give your offering. Isn't that interesting? Um, uh, there's a number of times he talks about it, and he talks about first here. He says, seek God's kingdom first. You know, and as I started to think in reality of this, this thought, um, not only is the word used in general conversation, but the word also can be used to define our lives. If you, if you think about the reality of what first means in the context of how we live, because I've come to understand what I put first determines what comes next. Isn't that true? What I put first in my life determines what comes next. If I put some things in life that aren't good for me, if I put them first, what comes next is often consequences that I don't enjoy. Um, isn't that true? Uh, if, I drive, if I jump in my car right now and drive to Brisbane and first don't check the petrol gauge and get 100 yards or 100 miles down the track and find out I run out of petrol, Who would, the, the least kind of feelings I'll have is frustration at least, and it's because I didn't do something, what? First. First is pretty important in that sense, in the frustration. So the word first in that context can create blessing in your life, or it can create some element of pain. And so when Jesus says about talking about something being put first, you've got to understand he's, he's really referring to the things he wants you to put first because he wants to see your life go well. Because he says in here, he says, I care for you. I care for the birds. I care for the flowers. And if I care for those things, how much more could I care for you? Because I want you to know what, what to put first so that you can have a good life and you can be a great witness and a great testimony to people and live life fulfilled um, with great purpose. And so we see Jesus talks about 
things we need to put first. And the first thing he says about putting first is he says, you need to put my kingdom first. And really, ultimately, he's talking about putting him first, isn't he? And I've discovered in life that I don't so much sometimes never, I never, I don't think I've ever said to God, well, God, you're second today. <laughs> I don't think we say that, do we? Uh, God, you, you know, uh, God, um, you know, uh, just take a back seat for a while because I need to do some other things first. Could, we don't ever say that, but I find my life, for instance, just kind of slips into putting God in the back seat, and I just take the steering wheel of my life and kind of handle it myself. And So I don't think we purposely go out of our way to put God second, third, fourth, or fifth, but life sometimes has a tendency to do that, hasn't it? And we drift from what should be really first in our lives. And, and it always brings me back with a solid thump life sometimes because I find out that, you know, um, you know um, all of a sudden something happens, it's not good to you, and you start to think about, oh, what have I been putting first in my life? It makes you think about the consequences of your actions and you think, well, just wait a second, I've kind of steered off the road a little bit here. And I need to get put something back I need to firmly put back in my focus, in my eyesight, what really needs to be first. What really needs to be first. And so I think our consequences of life is we've got to be careful we don't continue to diverge. You know, it's a dangerous thing when you're driving along and, you know, um, and, and you're kind of daydreaming and all of a sudden you're looking over here or looking over there. You have a tendency to drive that way, don't you? That's not a good thing. Anybody ever done that? Just me. I just Malcolm, yeah. <laughs> it's a dangerous thing, and it's not like we do it purposely. It's just that we, our, our, our focus gets diverted, doesn't it? So Jesus says, come on, I want you to put something first in, in our lives. And then, in, um, so while in verse 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, the reality is all the verses leading up to verse 33 really talk about how to do that and why we need to do that and how it's going to be effective in life. And, how we, uh, and, it, and one of the things that he says here, we see in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money, okay? Interesting, interesting. When we read this message from Jesus and we see that he mentions God and money, sometimes we can misinterpret that and think that God and money are diametrically opposed. Just because Jesus made a comment about that and it says you can't serve both God and money, we think, oh, they're di that's not the truth, is it? The reality is God's not saying that at all. Je he's not, Jesus is not saying that money and God, uh, they're both important in our life. Um, and the reality of what's being said, of course, is Jesus is just saying um, the reality is you just got to be careful because you can't serve both. That's the whole point of the matter, isn't it? That's what he's saying. He's saying it really depends on what you put first. And he's saying, you know, what you put first, as we've already declared, needs to be God first. And all these other things. And, you know, when you think of money, you could think of material possessions. You could think of things that we want, things that we do in life. You could think of a whole bunch of stuff that we can divert our gaze sometimes. It's not necessarily bad. It's just the things that we can't put first and how we need to put God first. He says, I want you to be careful. Uh, he says, either you'll because you'll end up hating one and loving the other. 
And, that, and so money and God aren't diametrically opposed. They're not at two ends of the, one end of the scale each. In the actual fact, they're a lot closer than you think. It's just the fact that what do you put first? I've always come to the understanding that, for instance, with money, as long as I don't worry about money, money often doesn't worry me. And it's so true. Um, we need it. We need to live. We need to focus. We need to do life with it. We need to earn a wage. We need food. We need clothing and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that it really depends where we place it in our lives. And so we see God is saying, place one thing first in all situations. And, 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 he, and he takes it that bit further when he says, there's only one master that you need to have. And don't let the things of this world be your master. Don't let the things of this world divert your attention from the truth, from what's, what's going to help you live life. And uh, anything that you put, sometimes in life, there's a lot of things that want to scream at you uh, to put them first. And there's temptations to put stuff first. And there's temptations to, to um, place uh, a lot of things, once again, uh, before what's really important and before God. Um, I love the fact that God's the creator of all the things that we want to put first. He's the one who created it all anyway. He's the one that put it all together. He's the one that established it all. And he says, come on, I just want you to realize that those things that, 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 uh, that I've created, you don't need to worship the creation. You just need to worship the creator first. Um, James 1.8 is interesting in regards to what we put first. Because what I find is if I put things of this world first, or my gaze is diverted for, for you know, whatever time or amount of time in life, when my gaze is diverted, I find that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going kind of, kind of know God's there. I, I want to make sure he's right and put him first, but I, oh, I want to do this. Oh, God. And it's like I've got this, you know, I've got this, because that's what Jesus is saying. You can't serve two masters. Who knows it's difficult to ride two horses at the same time? Who knows it's difficult to put your feet on two skateboards. It's just not possible. It's, it creates confusion, could create a terrible accident, couldn't it? And it's the same when you want to worship the things of this world and, you, and yet you want to put God first. It becomes a place where you, you're kind of in turmoil. And in James 1.8, there's a great verse. It says, a double-minded person is unstable in all their what? Ways. You know the verse. Isn't that true? Double-minded. Oh, I want to... Put God first, but then there's all this other stuff. And see, James says, he puts it so well, double-minded, unstable. Unstable. It's interesting because the word translated double-minded is a word formed from two other English words. If you go back to the original Greek and then bring it forward into English again, and the two words are this, twice and soul. Okay? And see, our soul is the place where our emotions come from. And the word describes the spiritual condition of having two souls that both want different things at once when we're double minded. In other words, having two emotions, having two thought processes, but, but, and then both wanting double and different things. That's a difficult place. That's a, that's a difficult place. And if there is ever, a, and there's a state of, that's a place of conflict. It's, it's a place of turmoil within ourselves. Oh, you know. And sometimes we don't see it that way because we often just 
you know, merrily go along our way and start to embrace the thing that we shouldn't put first because we're so used to, like money, for instance, it, we need money, we've got to handle money, we've got to change, we've got to do bank accounting, we've got to, we've got to do finance. But, you know, um, and you've got to be careful because the, 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 having the familiar sometimes, we've got to be careful we don't make it the familiar, the thing that we place all our hope and trust in. And we've got to come back to the reality. Hey, come on, don't get diverted by this stuff is good, but it's not the first thing you need to put in your life. And so we see double-mindedness as we, as we think, oh, this, but we want this, and it creates confusion in the conflict and no ease in our life at all. The word unstable is interesting because the word unstable describes um, an actual fact that if you bring it back once from the Greek in the English, it, it describes a boat in a storm. And a boat in a storm is, is at the mercy of the wind and the waves. And so many people uh, I see sometimes, and even sometimes in my own life, I've seen I'm at the mercy of my confusion and my concern. And, my, and you know, it's just not a good place to be because I've just I've placed two things, one before the other, or I'm trying to serve both. That's, that's not easy, is it? So Jesus gives us some great advice. In actual fact, it's not just good advice, it's a great truth to live by. Because he says in verse 35, uh, sorry, 25, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you should eat or drink or about your body and what you'll wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Is that true? Is life more than food? Well, yeah, I know the answer is yes and you're saying that. But the reality is when you think about it, gee, food is is pretty important for life, isn't it? They can say we last a couple of months without food. Um, you know, but the reality is, in the end, we do need food for life. But Jesus is referring to more than just the physical body. Who knows, you can have a, a body that's, that's pretty healthy and doing well, but internally, life is not doing well. And so Jesus is saying, you know, um, it's, not, it's not food... life is more than just food. In other words, that internal structure, that internal makeup, that internal realm of our emotions and our thoughts and how we do life and whether we're happy or sad or grieving and all those emotions come into it. But if if life is doing well, isn't it more than food? Isn't isn't, isn't um, the body more than clothes? And that's a reality. That's a truth, isn't it? Um, We all need clothes. We're not living in the Garden of Eden in a perfect world. And if we were, we wouldn't need clothes, but we do because it covers our shame. It, not shame, but covers an element of, gives us modesty. It gives us all those type of things. But the reality is, is that internally, you can't clothe, you can't put across your heart sometimes what's the struggles in here. And Jesus is it's kind of... I'm drilling down and saying the really important part, the outer body is okay, you need to feed it, you need to give it moisture, you need to clothe it. But the reality is, is there's something happening uh, within your heart that is even bigger than what's happening on the outside, what's happening on the inside. And this is what he says. Because in verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you. Why does he put a therefore? You ever notice that in scripture? There's a lot of therefores. Whenever you read therefore, you've got to find out what it is there for. Okay. And the truth is, is that it's there for to connect what Jesus said previous this 
to what he's now saying. It's connecting the previous verse to this verse. And, and, and we see that the previous verse, what did the previous verse say? Don't serve two masters. And now Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about food, clothing, um, drink. So the connection is, as we see, because if we serve, for instance, the, money, the master of money or the, the, the thing of money, money continually compels us, if we're serving money, it continually compels us to have sometimes more of it. And, and then we start to think, and that becomes a problem because then we think of what does money represent? Well, money represents more food, more clothing, more drink, or whatever it may be. So Jesus is really nailing and kind of drilling down on the reality that, you know, the desire for money will make you want more of what you got, and it's called greed, isn't it? And so we see that Jesus is saying, he's saying one of the unfortunate things about serving two masters or trying to serve to, to, to God and money or God and material possessions or God and lust or God and ego or whatever it may be is the fact that you find your life sinks into an element of concern and worry all the time. And where the worry comes from, where there's worry sometimes it progresses into anxiety and anxiety progresses into stress and stress progresses into fear uh, and so we just continue on and fear progresses into incredible emotional breakdowns for people and so Jesus is really kind of nailing the fact of where these emotions, wrong emotions come from. He says you've got to sometimes and you know the truth is Jesus is helping us to see the connection between what you place first and um, and your concerns for your life. Because what you place first will determine whether you live a life of emotional turmoil or live a life of happiness and peace, to be honest. And Jesus says, come on, what are you going to serve? What are you going to put first? He wants us to see the connection. He says, therefore, don't serve two masters because if you serve two masters, it's going to create an element of worry. You know, I see some of the most, you know, it, it, it's across the spectrum. I, in my own family, I see, I've got a lovely family, I love them all, but I see some of the members of my family so consumed with things and finance, and, you know, and they're always telling me what they're worrying about next. You know, I've got this, I've got to sort out, oh, and it's like um, having lots of it. You know, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have lots of money and have no worry. I think Sandy nailed it this morning. I think the way you do that is you continually just be a giver. You continually just be a put God first. You know, uh, and yet I, I see, um, and, and yet in the other end of the spectrum, I see some people who have nothing, and yet they seem to still find things to worry about. So what are we saying? What's the, whether you have money or not is not the issue. It's what you have first in your life. What you place first, if you allow God in there, if you kind of steer your life back on the track of putting him first, you'll find that worry, fear, and anxiety, it may knock on your door. It may even grab a hold of your heart sometimes. But ultimately, if you're going to put him first, you'll find that there is a peace and a joy that surpasses even the understanding that you have. And it comes because you've got to put something first. And Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek his kingdom first. I, uh, I was driving um, in Brisbane 
and it was a bad time to drive. And, you know, it was several, many years ago, uh, it was peak hour traffic. If you know that, th- um, you know, from about 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock time zone, it, there's a peak hour in the morning in Brisbane, there's a peak hour in the afternoon. And, and I didn't have a lot of knowledge of it at the time, but I was trying to get to the Brisbane airport to catch a domestic flight home to Gladstone. And I'm driving along Kingford Smith Drive, you know, along the Brisbane River. Do you know the, the road? Some of you know that. And um, I'm by myself. I've got to rent a car. And I'd been to a meeting, and I'm now trying to get back on the, tr- uh, on the plane to get home. And uh, as I'm driving along Kingston Smith Drive, I come into just heavy traffic. I mean, cr- I'm crawling along the road. I'm looking at my clock. I've got about an hour to get to the airport. Um, and I'm thinking, this isn't happening well. And then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering which road to turn off to get to the... I have to turn left because you can't turn right or you go into the Brisbane River. I thought, I've got to go left here somewhere. And there must be some sign up here somewhere. I didn't have Google Maps on my phone. I didn't have a navigation system in the car. I was just going by kind of, um, you know... Um, uh, whichever way the wind blew. I was just trying to, I thought, that's the direction over there. I know the airport's that, I've got to go left. And so I come up, I'm crawling and crawling along and I'm getting more nervous, more concerned. I suppose worry was starting to grip my heart. And as I come along, I, I think what I see is the road to the left. I thought, no, that's not it. And I drive past it only to find that there's no more roads that go to the left and that I've missed the road to go to the airport. So now, if I wasn't concerned before, I'm really concerned now. I think I'm, def- I'm thinking these thoughts. Isn't it true when something happens, your mind just works over time with all the possibilities that could go wrong? And so I, I drive up the road now. I'm out of traffic, and I, come, I get a U-turn, and I come back down this major highway. There's a medium strip in the middle. And as I come back down this road at Kingford Smith Drive, wouldn't you believe it? I catch all the traffic coming this way. We're crawling along again. And I'm thinking, going to miss the flight. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. This is not good. I don't want to miss this flight. And so I'm crawling back along the road, going now the opposite direction to before. And, and, I, wanted to, and I, knew that I, I knew the turn I had to take this time. And as I come back along, I'm, I'm uh, thinking the reality. I'm just, looking at my, I'm just looking at my computer, and it's going to go out of battery. David's got a hard copy. Could you run it up to me, David? Thank you. Isn't it terrible? You know, I had this thing on 100% last night, and I must have left it on. I get up this morning, it's on zero, flat lined. It wasn't working at all. And so I've desperately tried to charge it, and it hasn't charged enough. That's okay. I've got a hard copy. Thanks, David. Where are we up to, Dave? You've mixed all the pages up. Oh, here we are. <laughs> So I'm coming back along this road, and, uh, and there's a medium strip. It's a really bare-looking medium strip. It's, it, there's little brigades of grass everywhere, and not much, and otherwise it's just dirt and brown and grey. And, and obviously it's outside the zone of where the, you know, the, the Brisbane City Council really want to upkeep. And so as I'm driving along, and I'm just crawling back along, thinking, this is, you know, and that's frustrating. You know, it was frustrating to be in the traffic jam. It was frustrating to miss the turn. It's now frustrating to be in my second traffic jam. I'm really frustrated. I'm I'm quite getting quite angry. I'm getting nervous. I'm getting worried. I'm getting anxious. There's a bit of stress rising. Uh, Blood pressure is kind of getting up there. And I look to the right in this medium strip, and there are these little dandelions. Is that what you call them? They're a yellow flower. Is that the ones? And they're growing out of the medium strip. And as I'm sitting there, angry 
God says to me this, consider the lilies of the field, idiot, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory has nothing like that. And now God, if God so clothes the grass of the field and blah, 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 don't you know he cares for you? I said, that's not fair. <laughs> I'm angry. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like Jonah. Why don't you go and destroy Nineveh? You told me to go. I preached to it, and now you won't destroy it. And God says, grow up. I care for it too much. They've repented. And I'm sitting there angry. God, I'm angry. Sometimes we just enjoy our anger, don't we? We enjoy our emotion. And as I look at this little flower, God speaks to me and says, I care for the flower. Don't I care for you? I've got it. Grow up and learn from it. I said, God, okay. I took a deep breath. I kind of prayed, mumbled some prayer of You know, God, okay. And I sat there crawling along. And you know what I came to the conclusion? That even if I miss the flight, it's okay. It's not a life and death situation. It's okay because God's got it. There'll be another answer. Either I'll just, I'll miss the flight and I'll stay in Brisbane for the night and maybe see my parents again for another night, which would be really, I started to think of the possibilities. In actual fact, I thought, I think I want to miss this flight, you know. And I thought, you know, it's okay, I could get to the airport, miss my flight, and, you know, what's another 80 bucks to buy another flight, you know, you know, it's, and so I started to have peace. I want to tell you, there was this, there was right there and then was the moment when I said to God, I'm going to stop putting worry and fear on the throne of my life, and I'm going to bring you back and sit there again. And I tell you, too many of us sometimes want to serve worry and fear, yet serve God, and you can't serve two masters. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision about life. Because God says the ultimate concern and confusion that comes because of serving two masters is ultimately worry, fear, anxiety, and stress. That's what happened. You think about it, anything, when you, you know, the, the, it doesn't help to live a life that, of, of things that are against God and yet still want to love God. It's a, it, it creates tension, doesn't it? It creates all types of tensions. See, I... Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair, um, you know, you get a lot of activity, but you never what? Go anywhere. And that's what it's like. And it concerns me. You know, worry, worry will, blind, it, it, it will blind you from seeing the sunset of joy and happiness and peace. I tell you, it'll blind you. And Jesus, and Jesus says, you know why you have worries? Because you've got, sometimes you're allowing other things on, your, on the throne of your life when you don't need it. You forgot to put something first in your life. Seek God's kingdom first. Can any of your worry add one cubic, uh, cubic to your statue? Can, can, it, can worry add to your life? No, it, it doesn't add to your life. It actually takes from your life. And Jesus said, come on, what's first? What's first? What needs to be first in our life? You know, um, it says, seek God's kingdom and all these things we added unto you. Added unto you. What a promise. You think, of, you think of God. You know, by placing God first, he wants to add to your life. He doesn't want to take from your life. Sometimes if I come, if I come to God or I put God, or if I wholeheartedly go for God, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to, oh, gee, I'm going to miss out on that, and I'm going to miss out on that, and I'm going to miss out on that. Do, do you know that sometimes we only, 
the things that we worry about are the things that God wants to add to our life. But if you only give him the throne of your life and put him first, you'll find that he'll help you work through the other stuff. Because when you put God first, you get your mind in the right place, you get your decision-making in the right place, and you get your life in the right place, and you make good decisions about your future and your hope. Isn't that good news? That's what God allows you to do. But when you put God out of the throne of your life and you sit yourself there, your decisions aren't always clear. It's in turmoil because you're trying to worship two things and you don't make good decisions, and thus life doesn't go well sometimes. So God wants to add to our life. He doesn't want to take from it. Um, he wants to give you good things. And the things we worry about so much is the things he actually wants to add, but he can't until you lean on him. Um, give him that. You know, as we... Uh, this morning, we're going to just share communion. And uh, as we share communion, the reality of uh, what Jesus has done, I want it to hit home really clearly because... We call it communion. It's really just the time when we take a piece of biscuit and we take a little cup of liquid. And what we're going to do is we're going to eat it and drink it. And the Bible just says that Jesus um, established this little um, ceremonial, this little uh, element for the disciples and all who were to follow for, to give thanks and to also remember him. And as we come this morning and share communion... Um, if you think about what Jesus placed first, it says in Scripture, God demonstrates in Romans chapter 5, that God demonstrates his love towards us. Isn't that wonderful? We didn't have a God that just said he loved us. He demonstrated his love for us. It says he demonstrated. What did he do? He placed you and me first. Isn't that amazing? We placed God first and he placed our interests first. We place him first and he'll place our interests first. He demonstrates his love for us that while we were still lost in our sinful ways, Christ died for us. He demonstrates. He places us in first place. If you can appreciate, Jesus had a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was praying to his heavenly Father and he was tempted for a moment to not place you first. He was tempted for a moment to say, God, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me. He was tempted for a moment to walk away from what God had initiated him and established him and mandated him to do, and that was to bring and die for humanity. And just for a moment in the garden, Jesus actually said, if it's, this is, if it's possible, God, take this cup of suffering from me. But you know, as soon as he said that, he realized that wasn't the future for him. And that by doing that, I think Jesus realized he wasn't going to place first what God wanted him to place first. And that was to give humanity a hope and a future through his death and, of course, his burial and his resurrection. So Jesus came. The temptation, like all of us face, is to divert from what needed to be first in his life. He didn't take up that and he continued on the path. And from the Garden of Gethsemane, he was arrested. He was put before Pontius Pilate. He was uh, interrogated. He was whipped, as you know. He was, his beard was ripped from his face, as you know. The crown of thorns was um, pushed onto his skull, piercing his skin. 
And then ultimately, he was placed on a cross and he was nailed there for humanity, for all to see. I'm just glad that Jesus, while we continue to place God first, Jesus and our Heavenly Father continually place us first. He puts you first. Jesus overlooked his own bodily desires to say, I don't want to suffer like this because he knew what was coming. He overlooked that and he placed us first. He put us in first place. He said, I can't put humanity second because if I do, the, the world will collapse and there'll be no future. There'll be no chance for people to come into a relationship with my heavenly father if I don't go through with this. And Jesus, he went through with it. He demonstrated his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew 26 says this, while they were still eating, Jesus and the disciples were in this upper room, they're having um, a meal together. And while they were still eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, when he'd given thanks, he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. Can you appreciate the room? They're all sitting around reclining at the table. He's taken this bread and now they've been eating bread, but now he specifically does it. And, you know, you had breakfast this morning, but now we're, 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 we're just kind of getting a little bit more specific in what we're going to eat and drink, and we're going to do it for a purpose. You ate this morning breakfast so your body was nourished. Now you're going to have something so that your spiritual person can be nourished. As we allow him and we remember him, because it says he took the bread he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the promise, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He's, he's, there's two things in there that we need to do as we just come around communion or around this time of remembering. It's to thank him. And to remember him. He says, I gave, he gives thanks for it. And, he, and it says in Luke, we're to remember through this um, action that we do today. And I want us to do that. I want us to realize that it cost Jesus everything. He put, and he put us first. He put me first, even before I put him first. Bef he demonstrated his love. While I was still putting God last, <laughs> he demonstrated, he put me first. He put you first. Even when you didn't acknowledge Him, He put you first over 2,000 years ago. And He said, this do in remembrance. So this morning, let's take a moment. As you sit there, I know the emblems are still just being distributed a little bit. Can you just sit in, just with the music playing softly as it is, and just think about it. Remember and give thanks this morning. Just take a moment to remember and give thanks. Come on. In this moment, just privately talk to him. Saying, thank you, Father. What you did for, Je through, for Jesus. Through Jesus, I was put first. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
take that moment, just thank Him, just give Him thanks. Just think about the reality. He placed you first, well before we ever deserved it. As you're seated there today, would you just consider, and, uh, and maybe you have, but just let me verbalize it, that this bread represents his body. It's not his body. It just represents it was broken for us. And because his body was broken, his blood was shed, of course. And that's what this little cup represents, the blood that Jesus shed for us. If it wasn't for his blood that we shed, we'd have no forgiveness of sins. But we have forgiveness of sins because of his body and his blood. Someone had to pay the penalty. In days before Jesus, it was always the lamb that was slaughtered for the forgiveness of people's sins. It was always whatever it was, the dove or, or the bull or the sacrifice was made. Jesus says, no more sacrifices. Once and for all, I'll sacrifice. My blood will be uh, shed. My body will be broken for you, for us. It wasn't just for the people that were there in the days that Jesus lived. It was for the years and the decades and the centuries that were to follow for us as well. What an incredible plan of purpose He had for us. So as you come right now, let's eat and let's drink thankful but in remembrance of Him. Come on, let's do that right now. Eat and drink. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We give you all the honor, all the praise. We thank you, Father, what you've done through Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you came. We thank you, Jesus, that you placed us first. Before even your own desires, you placed us first. Can we do any less, Lord, than place you first? Can we do any less than put you on the throne of our life? God, I'd say we can't. There's nothing more we can do except put you first. And so this day, we just thank you. Father, that Jesus went through with it, that he gave us a hope and a future, and that we can know mercy and forgiveness. We can be free from guilt and shame. We can be free from the past because of Jesus, and we have a hope and a future. He's given us a joy. He's given us mercy and forgiveness and grace because of Jesus. We have a life. In actual fact, God, it says, did you want to bless us and not curse us? You want us to give us a hope and a future, God? And we thank you. We take up those promises and those benefits today and thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amazing grace. Come on.